homeschool expert is here to equip you to homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. Visit homeschoolexpert.com for video and print resources. Helping you homeschool confidently is our host, Ann Crossman, and her guest expert for today's special broadcast. Hi, friend, and welcome to Homeschool Expert. I'm glad to have you join our conversation today with guest expert Victoria Ransom, who is the co-founder and CEO of Prisma. Prisma describes itself as a stealth mode startup on a mission to reinvent school one living room at a time. Victoria has a wealth of experience launching successful startups. She sold her company Wildfire to Google, was highlighted by Fortune magazine as being one of the most powerful female entrepreneurs, as one of their 40 notable people under 40, and as a graduate of Harvard Business School. Victoria, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. It's my pleasure. You have an impressive resume and are clearly well accomplished in business. So I'd love to learn more of the backstory. What got you involved in education? Sure. Yeah. Well, so as you already mentioned, my husband and I are entrepreneurs. Uh, We've had a few businesses together. uh, And when we were fortunate enough to sell our company to Google a few years ago, we told ourselves, whatever we do next, we want it to be something that can have a really large positive impact on the world. And so we actually, we left Google and uh, we're planning to spend some months or even years just exploring what that might be and how we could have the biggest impact. And along the way, we started to get really interested in education, actually because of our own three kids. We really, uh, our kids are still young, but we really started to question how we wanted to educate them. Did we want to go down the traditional public school or private school path? And that led to a very deep exploration into all kinds of different schools and different approaches to education, um, which eventually led us to stumble upon homeschooling. And I I really mean stumble upon because I think we... We started out thinking homeschooling, oh, that wouldn't be for us. And, oh, that's kind of weird. And, oh, probably homeschool kids are a little, like, antisocial, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the more we looked into it, the more impressed we became. And just the wonderful stories we were hearing from families um, whose kids were able to pursue learning through what they're interested in and at the pace that worked for them and in a really hands-on experiential way and in a way where they got to spend lots of time as a family and there wasn't all these battles about home, homework and and so we love that and really started to feel like that might be the right approach for us but two things I would say felt like blockers for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was we were not convinced or in fact, we were pretty convinced that we didn't want to be our kids' teachers for a variety of reasons, which I'm happy to go into if, if you'd like. Um, and sure. the other is we I fully believe that homeschooled kids are very well socialized, um, but I think that takes some some work. And we really like the idea of our kids still having access to a group of peers that they could interact with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing that regular school does provide, whether that whether that interaction is positive or not, that's debatable. But uh, And so those two things I would say were the inspiration for us to start Prisma. That and, makes sense. And, and your kids are how old again? Uh, they are just turned six and almost four and almost two. So Which we're is right, great. So right at the going, beginning. Yeah. yeah, you're going into education from a fresh slate square one, not trying to correct a problem, but really ask that question that is so special with parenting of how do we want to build education for our kids, which is exciting. 
So right. when not only are you building a company, right, you're building it for your own family, which feels sometimes even more daunting, right? You're like, this is their whole life. I want to get this right the first yeah. time. Um, so can you tell us then more about Prisma? So what was yeah. that? Sure. I was just going to say, it's so fun, I must say, to be building, to be working on something where we truly are the customer for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really exciting. I've worked on other businesses where I had to sort of put myself in the shoes of the customer. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, it's very close to my heart. Um, so basically what we've created is uh, what we believe provides, it's a way for families to homeschool that gives all the good stuff about homeschooling, like what I just talked about, the flexibility and the kids, uh, the ability for kids to go at their own pace and uh, learn through what they're interested in whilst making it as easy and hands-off as possible for the parent mm-hmm. and as social and connected as possible for the kids. And the way we do this is we put kids, we're currently focused on middle school, um, happy to talk about why um, if you like, but we're focused on middle schoolers and we put them into cohorts of 15 to 20 other kids And they are facilitated by a coach who is not a traditional teacher. Basically, the role of the coach is to facilitate and spark really meaningful and interesting discussions among this group of kids, to help the kids set goals and and meet those goals, to provide daily feedback on the Mm -hmm. work that the kids are doing. I mean, written and, and verbal feedback. And most of all, to just be a really trusted mentor and inspiring, um, motivating figure. And I got you. So it's, it's less of an online curriculum than and more like an online classroom. Is that right? So basically the kids, these uh, cohorts of kids, they spend part of their day together synchronously online via Zoom uh, or a video platform. Um, and part of their day, they're working independently, but still, you know, connected to their coach and connected to each other. The synchronous time is really focused on things that we think make sense to do when you get kids together. So it is never listening to a lecture. There's no mm-hmm. such thing as a lecture at Prisma. Uh, it is basically having really rich discussions. It is um, debating important topics with one another. It is presenting each other's work and commenting on each other's work. It's doing small group exercises, um, the kind of things that will really build those social emotional skills and the presentation skills and the verbal communication so skills. Great. Yeah, those sort of things. And then the asynchronous or independent time is where the kids are working through. We have developed a curriculum. It's um, based around the idea of badges. Mm-hmm. Where basically, uh, kids can choose from a wide variety of different uh, topics within a given subject. And within that topic, they can uh, go very, very deep or they can go a little slower, they can go a little faster. So we're really trying to build in a lot of that ability to go at the pace that works for you and to be able to focus on things that are interesting to you. So just to give you an example. Yeah, that's self um, Yeah, that's so great. Go ahead. You know, you've got an example. Great. Um, uh, you know, something like uh, in our first trimester, the kids will be working on a science badge um, and it's all about um, experimentation. So learning about the importance of experimentation and why should Mm -hmm. you care and why is that important in our world? But within that, they can choose on a variety of paths that they could go in. They could look at chemistry and baking. They could look at the physics of falling. They could look at memory and neuroscience. They can look at botany. So basically the hope is that there's uh, no kid is needing to look at the importance of experimentation, try their own experiments 
in a subject or a topic that they're not interested in, that they mm. pick something they're really excited about. Um, so it's still very customizable then, what you're proposing yeah, for the student. Yeah. That's great. And yeah. how much time are they spending online each day versus an in independent work? Right. So we start the day um, with a stand-up, which is 20 minutes of uh, let's get everyone together, let's get them excited, let's do a fun activity, um, sort of like a kickoff. And we start oh, that like late. Like an icebreaker or something. That's yeah, great. Exactly. We start that late because research says that it's better if kids start later and especially as they get into the teen years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is about 20 minutes. Uh, and then they do – an hour to an hour and a half of um, synchronous time, which like I said, it varies. Um, One day a week we focus on what we call worldview, which is basically discussing topics that are really important to kids and will be important to them as they reach adulthood, whether it's talking about different social justice issues or whether it's talking about um, actually what we're going to talk a lot about in the first trimester is what is the purpose of education? Whose responsibility mm-hmm. is it? What does a good education look like? What do you want to get out of your education? Um, really so curriculum is very adaptable then to whatever is happening in the world that would be relevant for the students to learn about. That's so great. You really want that. Yes, exactly. Yep. Uh, and so it adds up to about uh, between an hour and a half um, to two hours of synchronous time. Um, and then the rest of the time, like I say, is working asynchronously, but you know, there's always a link there where a kid can can get in a Zoom session with their coach um, if they need help or to connect with a peer. I mean, we do really encourage them to um, ask their peers first because one of the big goals here is to get kids to be really independent and mm-hmm. to know how to solve problems themselves. Um, but they are supported. They're really one click away. Oh, yeah, that's so great. And I know you and I talked about this a little bit before this recording, um, that you've done a fair bit of research into education and models of education outside of just your own family search, trying to understand what makes it work best for kids coming from all different backgrounds and need areas and age groups. So based on your research prior to launching Prisma, what did you find were some of the fundamental principles that make for a strong educational curriculum, especially as parents are right now for COVID, trying to think through curriculum ideas, what should they be focusing on as fundamental principles? Right. Absolutely. And I've, I've sort of highlighted a few of these as I was talking, describing mm-hmm. pre- uh, earlier, but I mean, perhaps first and foremost, I think to really focus on the interests of, of the kid that there's so many different ways that you can learn the fundamental schools, skills of math and writing and reading. So make sure that it's something that interests the kids. And just to give a little anecdote, I was talking to a friend the other day who's, I think your son is nine and he's in public school and he had a writing assignment and they were battling it out at home and she couldn't get him to do it. And it was tears. And finally she said to him, okay, fine, just write something that you're interested in. Don't Mm -hmm. write what the teacher told you to write. And he sat down and wrote a beautiful essay about soccer because that's what he loves. Mm. Great. I mean, he learned what he needed to learn, so let's let him do what he's excited about. Uh, So I think allowing kids to learn what they're interested in, very important. Um, This self-paced, you know, the ability for kids to work at the speed that, that works for them. I think one of the saddest things, and I understand why it's like this about the traditional school system is that some kids get pushed on to the next grade level or the next academic concept before without understanding the previous concept. And so how can you really succeed on the next level if you haven't um, really understood the previous level or kids that are held back could be moving much faster or kids that find something they're really interested in then let them dig deep into that for a while mm-hmm. and push them on to the next concept. Uh, I think that's very important. 
um, relevance. It shouldn't be the case that kids are sitting there saying, why am I learning this? When will I ever need this? What's the point of this? Like learning should be relevant. And I think things like project-based learning or uh, allowing them to learn about things that are really happening now in society as we speak is um, there's great ways to make learning feel relevant and it should. Uh, interdisciplinary. I mean, when, when you get into the workforce, we don't operate in silos where you just do math, yes. you move on and you do yes. writing. It all merges together and that's how real life is. And so uh, it doesn't really make sense the way we silo uh, school subjects, I think. And so can you explain for parents listening who may be new to curriculum as a concept, what is interdisciplinary to you? Yeah, so it would be, um, you know, taking a concept looking at statistics, which is a math concept, in the guise of uh, real data that might be looking at, let's say, income inequality, which is mm. a social studies subject, it's an economic subject, and maybe you're presenting your findings um, in some kind of uh, verbal format. So you're learning your public speaking skills mm -hmm. and you actually write, do some kind of, oh, you do a podcast about it perhaps. So then you're learning, you have to write that out. You're, you're practicing mm -hmm. your writing and you're practicing your presenting. Instead of doing the alternative would be doing some math problems to understand statistics and writing an essay to do your writing and, you know, separating them all out. There's no need for that. I think there's great yeah. projects that can combine all those disciplines. Well, it makes the concept so much more exciting for the student, not to mention saving time for student and teacher, right? When, when I would teach in the past, we would combine the obvious ones of history, literature, art, and geography and give students an opportunity, whether at home or in a traditional classroom, to, to with one assignment or two assignments, hit all four subject areas. And yeah, everybody got so much more out of it. And we moved through the content in ways that were real and meaningful. So I love your four points. So, so far, if I'm, if I'm, you know, just summarizing, you're talking about customizing passions so that yep. if the child needs to learn fractions, fine. But if they are fascinated by dump trucks, you know, bring in dump trucks just to make it more interesting, right? Um, passions, um, pacing needs to be customized, talking about social relevance. And then um, the last one was interdisciplinary. So as parents think about those four key elements of curriculum, that's awesome. What advice do you have for them then as they're seeking out meaningful resources and an ocean of possibilities? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the first thing is be willing to experiment. There's so many options out there and you may not strike on what really resonates with your child right away. And one thing that actually really inspired me as I started speaking to homeschool families is the extent to which they are constantly changing things up, trying new things. I mean, pretty much every homeschool family I've spoken to says every year is a new year. Mm -hmm. and we don't say that what worked last year is what we're going to do this year. We're going to see. Uh, so I'd say be willing to try different things. Um, give your child time to, uh, if they're coming out of a more traditional school, uh, give them some time to unlearn school. They're, they're going from mm -hmm. A situation where they've been told exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and how they'll be graded. To a situation where many of the benefits come from the very fact that there won't be that level of um, of telling them what to do, where they'll have control over their schedule or more control, mm -hmm. they'll have control over what they work on. That's part of the beauty of homeschooling, but it will feel messy initially, and mm -hmm. that's okay. Just let that happen. Let there be an unlearning <laughs> yeah. sort of experience. Yep. Um, and sort of related to that, I'd say don't 
panic about making progress right away. Another thing that really inspired me about homeschooling is how efficient it can be, how Mm -hmm. efficiently kids can get through what they're expected to learn or know at a certain age or grade level Um, because there's not the interruptions of other kids in the classroom or, um, you know, the interruptions that come from trying to teach a bunch of kids all at the same time in a facility. So you can, um, I think you can afford to have some, some days where you don't get much done. You can afford to have some time at the beginning when you don't get much done because your child will catch up. I'm fully confident they will catch up. Especially in the Um, younger years too. Did you get, did you find that in your research as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite stories from a successful homeschool parent who was doing this back in the eighties and nineties she had had some life episode, which the details don't matter for the sake of the story, but they had to put their education for their kids on hold for a year. Lots of traumatic events just sort of piled up all mm-hmm. at once. And for the first grader and second grader, she and her husband were so worried, you know, what are we going to do to our children by not doing school um, this year? But we just can't. And for a variety of reasons, they couldn't put them in school. And uh, the next year they came back and she said, and do you know how long it took us to catch up first grade? And I said, I have no idea. She was six weeks. In six weeks, we got his math, his reading, his writing, all that was caught up because it was all one-on-one. And she's like, after that, we realized there's so much more we can do with homeschooling than we thought. And the flexibility is really to our benefit. So I I totally resonate with what you're saying. I believe it. I feel like most homeschool families I've spoken to with about 90 minutes of effort a day, roughly, they get through what they're child would be learning in or expected to learn in a traditional public school and the rest of the time is their free time to to pursue whatever they want. (laughs) Yeah, which is so great. So, Uh, so what families would be great candidates for Prisma as you've been talking about it? Um, And and one of the things I love in how you're building it is your, your sliding scale. So I'm going to let you get into that, but like with the cost of private education, sometimes paralleling the cost of college, how do you envision structuring price points in the future as you, as you really ramp this up? I know you're still in the early stages. Right, right. Um, yeah, so in terms of who Prisma would be good for, I mean, frankly, we think this can be a great option for absolutely any family. Uh, but this sort of four categories of families that we think it might be especially interesting for. Uh, one is any family out there that's got a kid that's ever said, I hate school. Um, so, you know, whether it's a kid that's bored or whether it's a kid that is not finding the social experience at school to be really um, empowering or whether it's they're super stressed out, I think this can be a really great option to get kids to love learning again. Frankly, mm-hmm. the number one goal for us is to, to have kids love learning because they mm. should because it is one. Um, another category would be families who already homeschool but are looking for an um, easier way to do it and a more uh, connected way to do it. Uh, families that don't have access to a high-quality school, uh, public school in their neighborhood, we feel like mm-hmm. it could be a great option. And finally, any families that are really inspired by a more progressive approach to education. I think a lot of what I've described about our curriculum is a very progressive approach to education, uh, mm-hmm. but don't have access um, to schools like that. Uh, there are some amazing progressive schools out there, but they're very often private schools and therefore they're out of a lot of families' range. 
In terms of pricing, um, yeah, our our goal is that Prisma would be dramatically more affordable than regular mm-hmm. private school, and and we can afford to do that because we're not paying for school buildings and we're not mm-hmm. paying for big bureaucracy, and we're using technology and smart ways to um, to make our model more affordable. So it's very much our goal that our standard pricing will be much much more affordable than private school, and then on top of that, our goal is that at least forty percent of families are uh, being subsidized, are, are able to pay uh, a bit less or a lot less than mm-hmm. our standard pricing. We really do want this to be accessible to a wide, wide range of families, including different socioeconomic groups. Yeah, which is so fantastic, not only because you're helping a lot more families, but then that diversifies the student experience in the classroom. And that's so meaningful. So um, I'm really excited that you guys are doing this. So then can you talk to me more about who is accessing Prism? I know you talked about the junior high age range. So if you want to hop on that question now, that's great. Or if it's you want to look at it from the national perspective, I know originally the goal had been neighborhood pods of some kind, but then COVID stepped in. So how are you thinking of the candidates at this point? Right. So yeah, we do have our pilot cohorts full. Um, and as you said, initially, we'd really wanted that to be neighborhood based or to have those cohorts be focused on uh, kids that live very much in the same geography. But with COVID, that was not really going to be much of a benefit. So we've actually ended up um, allowing kids from all over the US to join our pilot cohorts. We have kids from fourth through eighth grade, and they're really from the full breadth of US states, um, Hawaii right through to Maine, actually. Um, mm. so we're really excited. We're excited to see you know, the kind of interactions that can happen when you get kids from different states being able to yeah. each other. And eventually we see that as being kids from different countries. Being able yeah. To- and the world shrinks then at that point, which is so exciting. So what should parents anticipate seeing from Prisma then over the next school year? I mean, are there any resources that parents can a- access now? I think you have a wait list if you want to talk about that. Um, or if they just want to keep track of your progress going forward, how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So yes, we do have a wait list and our plan here is we've been really selective with our pilot because our goal here is to provide the best possible experience and to really learn from our pilot families and um, get the model as great as we can and then open it up more broadly. So all going well, we will open up more broadly in January and there is a wait list uh, on our website uh, that you can join. We're at joinprisma.com. And we do have a blog and we will plan on, there's already quite a lot on there already, but we'll plan on putting a lot more resources on on there over the coming months. And that'll be really based on what we're learning. A a huge foundational philosophy here at Prisma is that uh, we really want to learn first and foremost from the kids. Mm -hmm. What are they like? What are they not like? What's resonating? What's not resonating? It's it's one of the education is one of the few industries where the the primary customer, who I think is the kid, doesn't really get a huge voice in <laughs> yeah. the product they're receiving, and we want to flip that on its head. So we hope on our blog to show to write a lot and create some videos about what is working, what's not working, what kind of uh, things really resonated with the kids, what didn't, what kind of activities really worked well. Mm-hmm. We're talking about virtual learning, and um, yeah, I think. We we hope for that to be a place where we can showcase what we're learning from this whole uh, experiment and experience yeah. in education. Yeah. And so for those listeners who might be nervous hearing you couple progressive and experiment with education, because it's been such a stalwart thing, can you talk to about how the history of education has changed or not changed and why you think that's important that we're 
willing to get, step out and make some risks in this area, take some risks? Yeah. Well, again, talking about education being different from many other industries, it is an industry, I guess. Um, you know, it just hasn't changed that much. Someone um, said this to me the other day and it really resonated that if you took someone from a hundred years ago and time traveled them through to today, almost <laughs> yeah. everything would be unrecognizable about our world except step inside of a school classroom and yeah. we wouldn't feel that different. And yet, my goodness, look at the world, how it has changed and look at how it's changing and the pace of change is so rapid and we can't even really imagine half the careers that our kids are going to have. So it feels like we can't be trying to prepare them for life and that's what education is in the same way that we always have. Uh, and so that's, I think, a lot of our inspiration here is how can we educate kids in a way where they are as adaptable, yeah. independent, creative, uh, all these kind of qualities that we think will be absolutely essential for them to thrive in what will be a very exciting but also potentially tumultuous and very change, ever-changing sort of future. Yeah, I hear that a lot too when I talk to educational consultants saying words like flexible, self-educated, adaptable, resilient, right? All of those are key words that we're supposed to be somehow educating our kids in alongside of the standard three R's and whatever else. So it's exciting to think about ways to do that. So then as you look at this big picture and, you know, we've got all these listeners who are thinking about homeschooling or already involved in homeschooling and just looking for ways to, to look at it from a new perspective, what are some of the greatest needs that you see both in the homeschooling community, but also for new families considering homeschooling, trying to enter that space? I, I mean, I think, uh, it's probably not surprising because these relate a little bit to what Prisma is trying to solve, but it's really making it easier for homeschool families to have these peer-to-peer um, -peer interactions, whether mm -hmm. that's socialization or whether that's um, tutoring, kids tutoring each other or giving feedback on their work. That is absolutely doable as a homeschooler, but it takes a bit of effort. And the easier we could make that, the better. And it's interesting because I was talking to one of our um, pilot families the other day that's a family that's been homeschooling for years and years. And she said, you know, one of the things that we're really excited about with Prisma probably feels like a small thing to you, but it feels really big to us, which is the ability for her daughter to be able to showcase her work among mm -hmm. her kids because and get feedback on it because her kids spend all this time doing this amazing work, but then they get to show it to their parents and maybe to each other because um, it's three kids, but uh, don't really have a bigger platform where they can easily show what they're doing. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. that solving for that feels like it would be really valuable for homeschooling families. Uh, and then the other thing is just uh, – Finding ways. I think there are some parents, many homeschool parents that are just amazing at it and they love it and they're able to put a lot of time into it. But then I think there are other families who their children and their family could really benefit from what homeschooling has to offer, but they just, for a variety of reasons, can't afford to put as much time and energy into sure. it as, as some. And so finding ways to make that easier, I think, uh, is is really important for to, to, in order to open this up to a, a wider set of families. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'd say it also, you know, something that we don't often discuss, but that parents actually could benefit from a little bit more training too on how to make the educational environment a supportive one. Um, so that when they're, you know, setting up the classroom for their kids, whether it's online or on paper and talking about innovation, 
they're doing still some of the basics that need to be covered that frankly, we wouldn't know about as parents. We were never trained in this unless, you know, you have a teaching background or something. So that's really helpful. So, so then Victoria, this has been so great. What um, final thoughts do you have for a friend listening today who might be new to the idea of homeschooling, who wants to look into Prisma more about where they should sign up or get on your email list? Um, you know, how can you encourage parents who are right now feeling a bit overwhelmed by the choices and the pressures? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, just to answer the nuts and bolts, you can find out more about us at joinprisma.com. There's a ton of information there. Uh, but to your broader question, honestly, I would say, um, first of all, don't, don't be intimidated. To me, it was intimidating before I started to dig in. But um, none of this, I think, is as scary or hard as it sounds. Starting with, you know, I think a lot of families are really intimidated by registering as a homeschooler and what are the state mm-hmm. regulations. If you start to look into it, it's really not too hard. And there are so many families out there that have provided blueprints for all aspects of homeschooling. So don't be intimidated. And then the other thing is, um, this is not like an irreversible choice that you're making. You, <laughs> yeah. you are not saying, oh, I'm going to homeschool my kid and that's what they're going to do for the rest of their education education. And right. another thing that was surprising and inspiring to me as I started to look into homeschooling is the way that it changes for homeschool families. They have one kid that is homeschooled and two that aren't. They have mm-hmm. a kid that's homeschooled for two years and then not for three years and then they homeschool again. This is, you can try this for a year or half a year. And if it's not working, you can put your child right back into the school that they're in and they will be just fine. So there's not much harm or downside or risk to giving it a go, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, it's very fluid. That's a great encouraging piece too. I think it does feel final to parents and um, there, there are benefits to going back and forth. Or just staying in homeschooling or staying in the traditional school. There's so many great ways to learn. So, Victoria, thank you so much for making time to share what you're learning about education, to share your perspectives on developing this new classroom experience for students. I'm so excited to have had you here on Homeschool Expert, and it's been great having you on the show. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, and thank you especially, friend, for joining us today. I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for joining Ann Crossman on our podcast, helping you homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. We invite you to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date on the latest resources. See you next time.